Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, sound like you like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Paul F. Tompkins is a comedian, an actor, an improviser, an all-around funny man. But more than that, He's really thoughtful and compassionate. I think to be as gifted an improviser as Paul is, that probably has to be your primary personality trait, compassion. He's got finely tuned senses. He picks up on tiny little things and digs into them and finds the core of an argument finds the kernel at the center of an emotion. I have been driven to painful laughter and driven to tears while watching Paul F. Tompkins work a room. I am lucky enough to have been friends with him for the last couple of decades. We both came up in a scene in Los Angeles that was centered around a small club called Largo. And so I've shared stages with Paul and watched Paul work out new material and just kick around ideas for years. I've watched him grow into the performer that he is now. And honestly, that has been nothing short of thrilling. I think he is the perfect example of talent that isn't squandered. Talent that is backed up by a strong work ethic. You might know Paul from the many other podcasts of which he is a part. Comedy Bang Bang, Spontanea Nation, Super Ego. He's all over this medium. But I think you'll find a side of him in this interview that doesn't normally come out. Because normally he has to be on. Not that he has to be. He's just so good when he is on. But I think you'll find in this conversation that he and I had at his home in Los Angeles, a side of Paul that is a really cool side to see, especially if you are interested in what goes into being someone as accomplished and as revered 
as Paul F. Tompkins is. So please welcome to Wheels Off, Paul F. Tompkins. Welcome to Wheels Off, Paul F. Tompkins. Thank you, Rhett Miller. Thank you for being here. I love at my home, of at course. Your home. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm joining you today at your lovely home in Los Angeles. That's right. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. We've been friends for twenty twenty years. Oh, since 20 years the now. late nineties, Rhett. Last since the last millennium. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But um, but we, I feel like I don't get to. <laughs> we're twentieth century friends, <laughs> and, and I feel like I don't get to see you enough. I mean, and usually it's because we're both invited to do something or mm-hmm. we're getting paid to do something, um, and usually it involves performing. So, yeah. um, but I mean, because we don't live in the same city. I know, and I really we're the same coast. And and when I think about how much I miss LA, one of the main things I think about is getting to see you and our little group of friends that we mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, that I left behind mm-hmm. to go be a freaking dad. But um, <laughs> but I love getting to be here with you today. And, and one of the main reasons I was excited to interview you, despite how intelligent and w- a great communicator you are, and you have phone. A landline. <laughs> you still have a landline. Still have a landline. It's good for emergencies. You know what? I Except what if it's... What if it's uh, electronic, like Wi-Fi, wireless phone, mm-hmm. and then the power goes down, then what are you going to do then, Paul? Because <laughs> it's got a backup battery. Oh, okay, you're right. That's the thing. Well, look, if it gets to that point, you're just... I got bigger problems. <laughs> um, all right, welcome to Wheels Off. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Joined in your home. By your... <laughs> I'll tell you, every time I see you... You're one of those people where it's like no time has passed. Exactly. And I feel like we pick up exactly where we left off, which is yeah. nice. And not you can't do that with everybody. No, and I, and I feel like, which is nice because then the, there's no catch-up time, waste of time. And then so those moments where we're side of stage at some event, I feel yeah. like the little bits of um, communication I get to have with you then become very real. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny. I think back so many of the things you've said to me on like the side of the stage in St. Paul at Wits. Mm-hmm. We, we, we had a conversation that I think about all the time. There's just these, these little moments where... Our paths cross again, and I get to have like a real moment with you, and you say something that I didn't think about for years. And it's, I mean, that's why I was so excited to get to interview you for Wheels Off. So now we begin. <laughs> you can see how good I've gotten it. With this. these pleasantries out of the way. <laughs> um, what creative project are you working on right now? And I say that as if there's a singular answer for this. I know there's a million. Uh, and, and, and how does it inspire you? Um, I am working for the first time ever. I'm collaborating on something with my wife. We have a script that we pitched with uh, another writer, a friend of ours. Uh, the pitch got bought by IFC. And so now we're in the process of writing the script. We have a first draft. I just did a polish. Our, our writer friend did a first draft. Uh, I did a polish on it. And then Jamie did a polish on it. Now it's back to him. So this was an idea that we, that she and I came up with together. And then we're first time, we're first time writing team. Yeah. And so we brought our friend in, uh, who's a more experienced writer to kind of help shape it. And um, we pitched it and we got it sold someplace. And, and you know, this was a very, um, uh, I was very anxious when we, began the process 
because I thought, I don't know what's going to happen. And what if something bad happens? <laughs> you know, like I didn't think that I didn't necessarily assume, oh, we're going to get in big fights or something like that. But I, I honestly thought, first of all, I haven't collaborated with anybody in a long time, much less somebody this close to me. And we've never done this kind of thing together before. And it turned out fine. Like I was I was very relieved and excited that when we talked about creative stuff, we were able to do it uh, completely professionally, even when we had disagreements about something or somebody couldn't see it, you know, the way the other person was saying it. We were uh, really good at explaining ourselves and figuring out and if and if the answer was you know if the answer was no like well i just i i i don't see it that way because of this you know that was well received you know it was it was i think the the benefit of all the work we've done as a couple that sorry i got my bros in the neighborhood <laughs> You know I'm a biker. Yeah, you are. I You've know. known this for years. You're wearing a leather jacket right now. That's People right. can't see it. Wearing a leather jacket. I got my goggles on my forehead. <laughs> um, I think that all the work that we've done as a couple, we've been together for uh, almost 15 years now. We got together in 2005. Yeah. And I think that served us well when we were collaborating, was that we were... Because we were we were already coming from a place of non-competition. Yeah. We were definitely working towards the same goal. And it wasn't about, you know, I need to assert myself in this situation and establish my worth. You know, it was like we already were on board with each other. We didn't have to worry about all that stuff. The only the only time it ever feels weird is when the third person is there. And then I think we are so worried about a, the the even the appearance of us ganging up on him oh. that I think we take we will take his side over each other <laughs> but not to not to a point where it's damaging the creative project but it's a, it's something that I noticed that I think that we are you know I, I think because we were so concerned like is anybody going to want to work with us you know as a, as a married couple like I you could see how people would think well, they're just going to, you know, outnumber me the whole time. And, you know, what's the point of this? And also, who wants to get mixed up in that? Yeah. But um, but it's been good. It's been really good. It's a feature? It's a, it's a sitcom, half hour. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you say you don't collaborate much, but I feel like so much of what you do, especially in your work with improv... Mm -hmm. I mean that's essentially a, the most collaborative thing you could ever do, right? Yes, and that the 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 sort of easier thing about that collaboration is um, it's happening in real time in front of other people, yeah. and so you, there's no arguments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're one of the one of the great things about improv, which which I came to late in my career, and it's been so wonderful to have a have a new thing to learn. You know, mm -hmm. at, at a, a, a kind of a um, you know, I'm just going to say 11th hour. That sounds very grim. But <laughs> like after, you know, after having done these other disciplines for such a long time, to have a new thing to be challenged by and not know and have that feeling of like, I'm getting better at this, you know, is, is, is you know, it, it's wonderful. And 
A big part of that is I did an improv show before I did my own. Before I was doing my own improv shows, I got invited to do a show by Ben Schwartz. Mm -hmm. He does this show at UCB called um, Snow Pants. And the idea is it'll be him and some uh, very seasoned improvisers and then a couple people that have either never done improv or done very little improv. And so he asked me to do it one night. And the other person who was the novice, in addition to me, was Jane Fonda. Because they had just worked together on something. Oh, my God. And, you know, first it's like, wow, this is wild that Jane Fonda is here. You know, we're, we're in the green room and the show's about to start. And somebody asked her, uh, how are you feeling? And she said, oh, I'm terrified. Because she'd never done this before. And I first I loved that she admitted that. Then when we went out there, you know, Ben introduces the show and, you know, sets up what it's going to be. And when it's time to start improvising, uh, you know, Matt Walsh was one of the other guys and he pulls a chair out, puts it on the stage. Jane Fonda was the first person off the wall, like immediately throws herself in there. And that had a profound impact on me. And I, I think about it a lot because I think that this is somebody who doesn't doesn't need to be doing this, doesn't need to be putting herself in situations where she's afraid, you know, creatively, but did it anyway because she wanted to have the experience, you know, and she really went for it. And um, that I, I try to keep that in mind because I'm a, I'm a pretty fear-based person, not as bad as I used to be. But when I get anxious about a, a new thing, I, I go back to that story a lot. I go back to that story a lot. That and another one that our friend Grant Lee Phillips. Yeah. Um, one time we were, it was, it was old Largo. It was when I was doing, I just started doing a variety show there. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted music to be a part of it, but I think I'd done two. And then I wasn't really feeling comfortable with it. And I thought maybe I'll just take that part out, you know. That I would do a song with the uh, with the musical guest. Yeah, we did an Ellis Costello song yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, we, we've done a few songs together. Yeah, um, and I was saying that to Grant, like maybe I'll just take the music out, and you know, then we started talking about uh, fear, and he said, um, you know, sometimes the thing that you're afraid of is a thing that you have to run towards rather than run away from, and that really stuck with me. And that seems like it's what Jane Fonda did. Yeah. When she's pushed off the wall Absolutely. and was the first one out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful lesson. Yeah. Right? And a lot of times the thing that you fear is the thing that you should be running towards. Yeah. It served me It served me very well. It's led me to a lot of great experiences that I would not have had otherwise. That I would have, um, that I think I would have dismissed, you know, had I not trusted that first of all, it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not going to kill me. Yeah. And secondly, my life could be the richer for doing it. Like you never know what you're going to get. And it's worth trying to see if you like a thing, you know, because yeah. I, I, that was another thing was I, I told my, as I started to do this more, I realized, oh yeah, I might not like it. Like I might try a thing and then say, this isn't for me. And that's good too. At least I know, you know, I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. I could say, I don't like that experience because I don't get anything out of it. You know, it's not fun. It's not, 
um, enriching in any way. It's you know, it's just like I I tried it and now I'm I'm I've, I have a license to never do it again. And the process of learning it probably would have given you something you could take away from it, even if you absolutely. Could. There's always something. Yeah, there's always something to take away. You know, I haven't gotten to see it yet, but I'm really looking forward to at some point getting to catch the show you're doing with Mark Evan Jackson. Oh. And I and I love and talk about. I mean, because you've come so far, you say you you know came to improv late in life, and this is a thing where you guys fly to a different city. Mm-hmm. You walk into the club with nothing. Yeah, probably some nice a nice outfit. You each wear nice outfits. We always do the show in tuxedos. Boom. Yeah, there you go. So beyond that, you're just you're completely naked, yeah. right? I, I saw Mark last night, and he said, "What's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, even mm-hmm. if we just sit there, a lot of times people will be pretty happy." Yeah. So I mean that's that's pretty that's a long way to have come to yeah. go from you know not knowing if you'll even like it or be good at it to being able to it's people love that they're freaking out mm-hmm. about those shows that you guys are doing uh, they've been they've been really fun and they've been a, a real gift in my life and and I'm still learning you know mm-hmm. like I Mark is extraordinarily uh, talented he is truly gifted he's one of the funniest people I've ever worked with and. He is a um, a very calm and reassuring presence. So when we're on stage together, a, a big thing I learned from him was like, we did some uh, show together with some other people and, you know, he walked out, uh, he walked out first to do a scene and he was just standing there. And then I walked up to him and then we started some scene. And afterwards, I, I think I asked him, did you have something else different in mind before I walked over? And he said, oh, no, I had nothing in mind. I just walked out there and, and you know, you just start and then you see what happens, you know. And um, so anytime we do these shows together, it's just the two of us. I feel like I feel myself learning as we're doing the show, you know, like I I see the choices that he makes and the, and the places that he goes and I, it's, it's so up my alley to think about this stuff and uh-huh. pick it apart. I love doing it. And so I love to, a, a really fun thing for me about improv is to watch other people's choices that I like and try to figure out how did they get there and how can I get to my own version of that, you know, where... I can relax, be relaxed enough, and you know it's the it's the tricky thing of being relaxed enough and present enough. If you're relaxed enough, you can be present enough so that time slows down, so you don't feel like I gotta jump in there. I, everyone's talking about me, you know. <laughs> you 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 know that's a very that's a very early fear. Is that the audience is saying well, that guy's not doing anything? Like he's he's not good, you know. <laughs> These people are the show. He's just like their friend. <laughs> so, you know, to be um but it's 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 all about being present. And that was a big lesson from stand up too was even though you're going out there with um with stuff you've written ahead of time, it's very much like music in that you know what you're going to say already. You have to make it sound like it's the first time you've ever said it. You have to bring the you have to bring the freshness to it that uh, you felt when you first had the idea, you know, 
And but you also have to be monitoring the room and being aware of what the vibe is and you know all that, so you can adjust your performance accordingly. Um, you know it it's it's such a big part of uh, being present is such a big part of life. And I'm a guy who it's very easy to I don't I feel like I don't dwell on the past as much as I used to, but I definitely future trip too much. Oh. I'm definitely thinking about the future too much. And, you know, the, the problem with that is, you know, you, you do that too much and then you're there and you've just spent so much time worrying that it's like, how much time did you spend living? You yeah. Know? And I'm at, a, I'm at a place now with my creative life where, you know, there's been ideas that I've been carrying around for years and years and years. And it's like, I got to do something with them, you know? I got to start I got to start bringing them into reality and I have to not care what happens, you know? Yeah. I have to do this for me and if other people like it, great, but if they don't, I did it for me, you know? And maybe it's a thing that people don't like it now, but maybe later on they'll like it. Maybe they'll like it after I'm not here anymore, you know? Like maybe somebody finds it in a in a in a desk drawer somewhere, you know, some jump drive or something, and they're like, "Oh, this is actually this is a good script," you know. <laughs> but it it really I I went through a place that I I feel like I'm just coming out of now of uh you know hitting midlife and you know doing that assessment of like. Where am I and what am I doing and what do I want to do? And then realizing, like, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. You know, we have this thing that we're doing together, but I haven't done stand-up, a stand-up, an hour of stand-up since 2015. No way. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been working on an hour. I haven't been working on new material. I don't know what I want to say. And I have been in that place for a while and I don't like it. Improv is, has definitely filled the um, the void of performance. You know, I get to go out there and, and have fun with other people and be in front of an audience. But just me doing my own stuff in front of people, it's been um, what feels like now too long. And I am fortunate that, you know, I've been doing this a long time and that that hasn't happened yet, that I haven't hit that wall of like... You know, I'm creatively blocked, you know, and, I, you know, I'm doing what I can, but I also have to just trust that this is part of the process. You're incredibly busy. It's not like you're sitting at home just whatever. No, doing no, no, nothing. no. Yeah. But I miss there. There are certain things I miss. You know, there are certain things I miss. And, you know, the 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 problem of of. um you know, the, the midlife, it's not really a crisis. I feel like I went through a midlife crisis early. <laughs> so I got that out of the way. Yeah. It's more of a, it's more of, it's a little bit of a malaise, you know, of like, there, you know, because there are things that you think you're working towards. And then when they don't happen, which is, that's, that's showbiz. And it's like, you move on to a different thing, you adjust, whatever. So I always had a thing where I was like, this is my thing. I'm going to work on this thing. And this is the thing that's going to become, you know, my main job. I'm going to do this. And those things have come and gone, you know. And now for the first time, I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. You know, I don't I don't know what I want to do. I definitely want to get back into stand-up, but I'm clearly not like in a huge rush to do it. You know, I, I 
like I love I love television. I'd like to do something in television. I also love live performance so much that I think I might want to write a play. I might want to write like a musical. You know what I mean? Like I I love the the process of theater and and through doing so much improv, I I love that collaborative aspect of theater. And it's like, man, that would be fun to be seeing the same people day in and day out, building a thing, you know, getting it to the point where you're you've ironed out all the kinks and then you start you start actually doing the show, then there you iron out the kinks you didn't see, you know, when it's in front of an audience and to 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 experiment with your performance and, and discover new things in it, you know, it's like I love all that stuff. You uh-huh. know? I know a guy that would collaborate with you on a musical. Oh, really? Who is that guy? Talk to you later about that. (laughs) I think you'd be fantastic at it. I I don't know if uh, our listeners would know that you have a beautiful singing voice. I have have an okay singing voice. You have a singing voice that's better than people would expect, given how talented you are in other... Exactly, yes. Um, When you... I mean, obviously, you've done a lot, a lot of stuff. I feel like Mm -hmm. probably stand-up and sketch was sort of your first love or whatever. Did you... um, like, at what age did you know that was your thing? Was there an epiphany moment? I feel like it's just always been there. I've, I've, since I was a little, little kid, I can't remember a time when that was not what I was interested in. I loved show business. I loved watching movies and TV. I loved comedy. Loved comedy. Like, the idea of stand-ups was magical to me. You know, I, I never thought of it as... Stand-up, stand-up is fun. I, I think I could relate to... Acting in a way because my older siblings were in plays, were in school plays, and so I could go to the theater and I could see it, and I could see, oh, somehow you can make this a job, you know. But stand up, I was, I just had no idea. It was such a complete mystery to me, and I got into it because a, a friend um, suggested doing an act together. Uh, he had gone away to college and started doing stand up there, and he came back and he said. Do you want to do you want to do some open mics? And I just didn't know what that was. You know, a so. duo act. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, you don't see many of those anymore, do you? No, it's it's pretty rare. <laughs> it's pretty rare if they're not if they're not related by blood and twins. <laughs> if it's not the Sklars and it's not the Lucas Brothers. <laughs> um, but we did that for about a year and a half, and then by that point, I was in. You know, yeah. I was like, I was really gently guided into this thing that would become my life, you know? And I I feel like I would have gotten there eventually. I don't know how long it would have taken, you know? Yeah. But I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Um, you and I have talked a lot, maybe of all the things that, you know, recurring discussions we've had. Um, and I find you to be a really uh, thoughtful person when it comes to thinking about this. Um, the frustrations that we encounter as artists and those frustrations primarily that are internally generated, mm-hmm. like feelings of self-doubt or um, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. um, you know, those kind of fears. Uh, how have those impacted your life and your career? Well, you don't have to get super, but how do you deal with that? I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly easier to deal with now that I feel more my own person. Like I, I know who I am more. I've done work on myself, and I've also just grown up. You know, it's a but it's a combination of all that stuff. You know, it's not like 
and it was hard won. You know, it, it took work for sure, and and staying alive. You know, but I, I, I the imposter syndrome, I don't have as much anymore. Um, Self doubt, absolutely. You know, uh, I will. You know, I just did something on. Um, I guessed it on a TV show. It was an hour long, you know, crime drama, and that's not a thing that I do often. And I'm on the set, and I had this um, this big rambly speech to do. And I kept the first couple takes. I got hung up in the middle, and I couldn't remember. There was like a disjointed thought. Those are always, you know, in acting, it's it if everything. If every sentence leads into the other sentence, it's easier to remember. Uh, this takes me to this. This takes me to this. But every once in a while, you get like, you know, some dialogue where all of a sudden you're talking. You, you don't have like a, a linking sort of phrase to bring you into the next thing. And I was getting hung up on this thing, and it happened a couple times. And I had to tell myself not to panic because. It's a very uh, uh, uncomfortable situation of like, I'm a guest here. These people are all here every week. These people want the day to be over. Like they don't want to be wasting a lot of time with somebody who doesn't know their words, you know. And and what sucks is like you want to say to people, no, 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 I know them. I know them. I just, I keep, this keeps happening, you know. <laughs> but I had to, I've gotten be- much better at, Calming myself down faster. Yeah. And not going to a place of, well, everyone here is mad at me. They don't like me. <laughs> and they're going to tell me very soon. And I and it's the beginning of the day. And, like, I'm just going to spend all day here with these people that hate me, you know? Oh, my God. That's so, got to be so stressful. It's Yeah. And it's all self-imposed, you know? Yeah. It's all self-imposed. And I, I've gotten, but I've gotten much better at calming, talking myself off the ledge. Quicker. Do you feel like there's some form of sort of, I don't know, meditation or is it just experience knowing you've survived it before? It's, it's more experience. Yeah. Okay. It's more like it's more, you know, I, I, I lead with my I, for, for most of my life, I've led with my heart, you know, and then my head would eventually catch up. And then now it's like. It's more neck and neck, and yeah. you know I'm able to. But I've just I've just lived more, and I've I've had more experiences, and and certainly um, learned a lot more about the things that are important. You know, now this isn't to say that I'm completely zen. I have no moments of self doubt. That I don't have you know long periods where I'm like, well, I'm washed up and it's over. You know, yeah, um, that still happens, but. In the moment, I've gotten a lot better, and I am starting to get better at um, positive reflection and saying, you know, things have been good. I'm very fortunate that I have gotten to, um, through my through my own, you know, hard work, and um, I think being a pleasant enough person to be around, I have gotten to do a bunch of really cool things. And had great experiences and met so many great people. I, I can't believe how many great people that I have in my life, you know. And I mean, that is like, that will pull me out of a bad time more often than not. 
you know, to just say like, even though things aren't, maybe I don't know where I want to be right now. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing right now, but there's something that I'm doing that's positive because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the life that I have. Take career out of it. Just say, look at the life that I've had. Obviously it's, I'm not horrible. (laughs) You know, like obviously I'm, you know, I'm doing things more right than wrong. Yeah. If I have this this just wonderful existence, you know, I think that's a really useful point because I feel like we live in a world. I mean, I'm I'm the father of two teenagers, and I'm watching these kids grow up and how just just connected to their phone they are, and yeah. how they live and die by their followers and likes. And um, one thing that I hear you saying that I think is really beautiful is that when you get to a dark place, one thing that pulls you out of it isn't even necessarily calling your friends; it's knowing that you have them knowing that someone loves you. Yeah. And so when when I think about my kids and and you just the dis, the disconnection that I that I see people their age feeling. Um I think it's important to to you know to nurture those relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think you've done a good job. I mean, you and I met at a place called Largo in Hollywood which was a lot of things, but mostly it was that. It was like the hotbed of a lot of great friendships. Yeah. And um so yeah, I hope that people hearing you tell that story can take that away from it is knowing that you know, you can live and die by your followers and likes, but it's, you know, the person sitting next to you across from you at the diner or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember, like, on social media, when it first started, when it was Twitter and Instagram, MySpace, whatever, like, that, I remember that stuff being very important of, like, am I am I successful at this? Like, do people care? <laughs> and now it's like, I only look to see if my friends liked things. <laughs> The people that I already know, yeah. I'm just looking to see, like, did they, did they see this and what do they think? You know what I mean? That's sweet. Yeah. But, and let me say this, too. What else helps is fucking antidepressants. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I can't, I can't not leave that out because, you know, I suffer from depression and sometimes it gets bad. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets bad. And um, I have I've been down in the depths where things just, you know, that... It's when you feel it on you, when you feel it's like a thing covering you of just despair and hopelessness. And, um, you know, if people don't suffer from depression, they don't know somebody who suffers from depression. Cuckoo clock. That's what they think you are. <laughs> Cuckoo. But they think like it's a, oh, just shake it off kind of thing or, you know, uh, cheer up or think about good stuff, you know. It's like that's all you want to do, you know. You, you don't want to... It's like having a cold. You don't want to have a cold. You know, yeah. you still function. You get through your day. Stop having a cold, Paul. But God. yeah, you can't will yourself to not have it. And that's what it's that's what it's like. And, you know, those moments are um, it, it's important to recognize when something is not working and yeah. say, OK, I got to I got to change something up. And my previous method of, you know, my previous, uh, you know, medication that I was on is not doing it or the dosage or whatever. Like that shit is, they're tools, yeah. you know. And I was I was lucky that I had a friend, before I ever went to therapy even, I had a friend demystify antidepressants for me in such a logical and calm way. Um, and she was like, yeah, I took antidepressants for this amount of time. And, um, you know, I'm going off them now. Uh, if I have to go on them again, I will, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. I That makes more sense to me than – and it takes the, the fear out of like, am I not going to be myself anymore? And, yeah. you know, how is this going to hurt me creatively? And, you know, all the things that you 
All the all the ways you talk yourself out of being sure. happy. Yeah. <laughs> and not, maybe not happy, but not miserable, you know. Um, and I, I so by the time that I was like, oh man, I need some help here. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not able. I'm not able to fix this on my own. I, I need like a little help here. And uh, so I was able to to go and get a prescription for, I think it was Zoloft the first time with um, no stigma. You know, it's just like, this is medicine, yeah. you know, and I'm going to take it because I need to take medicine. And, you know, it's, it's really important to, to realize that uh, there are options for you if you're struggling. You yeah. Know? And I've been really grateful that to you that you've spoken out about that. I feel like I loved your hilarious world of depression mm-hmm. episode. And I think you've been vocal about it. And I, I do think there's just so much stigma around it. Yeah. And still, um, still after all this time. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. And, um, but it's good. I mean, you, you know, you're living proof. Uh, you seem so happy to me. And, <laughs> and I, and I've no, you know, we both have gone through times when it's yeah. been maybe not the case so yeah. much. Um, so if you met a 20-year-old version of Paul F. Tompkins, but working in today's Ooh, world, yeah, um, what advice would you give little you? Man, I would say, I was this actually popped into my head the other day. I would say, be picky later on. Do the things, you know, figure out what it is you want to do. Like, what are your goals? Like, what, where would you like to be, you know? Do you want to be a successful actor or a talk show host or whatever? Do the things that are going to get you out there more. Learn how to do them the way that you like to do them. So, like, if, say, if I was 20 years old, like, the idea of doing a, I don't I'm trying to think, like, what would be the thing that I would think was total bullshit then? Um, YouTube? Uh, yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I probably would have been... One of those guys scoffing at podcasts, you know. I would say do the do the things that that get you out there that will lead to more work, even some things that you don't think are cool or whatever. And then later on, after you build your career, then you can be picky and say, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't have to do it, and I don't want to do it because it's not going to feed me creatively, you know. But when I was younger, in in, in real life, I remember that the like. I just wanted to do comedy all the time, you know, and it was doing as many open mics as were in town and doing all these weird gigs, you know, in the surrounding suburbs and stuff like that. And I would say if you were if you were going to be a young person living in a place like here in New York, do as much stuff as possible and figure and figure out how to get better, how to get good at everything, you know, and then later on you can decide this creatively it's it's the same thing of like I want to try this to know if I like it and maybe you're judging it by bad versions of a thing that there's good versions yeah 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 like right now I would do I would do a multi-camera sitcom and love the shit out of it you know I did one years ago I was a regular one one years ago and it was and it was like doing a play you know you're seeing the same people every day and you're rehearsing this thing all week not I'm with her no that was one episode (laughs) Which I heard I was replaced in when it finally aired. I don't know. That was a weird. That was a weird week. I did the sound. Remember, I did the interstitial music for that. Anyway, so you did years ago. You did. Uh, you were you're a recurring. I did character. a show called Dag with oh, Dan yeah, Algrier, yeah, yeah. Delta yeah. Burke. I have friends from that show to this day. You yeah. know, and 
it was it was a great life. Like to go to this TV studio, you read through the script on Monday, you rehearse, the script changes, you get new lines. Friday you do a show in front of a live audience. It's fucking fun. But there was a time when like underground comedy Paul would have been oh, yeah. like, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A network sitcom, you know? <laughs> like now I would love I I wouldn't even care if it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, let me, I'll do the corniest. If the people are good, yeah. if the rest of the cast is great, and the producers, the crew, everyone's, if everyone's having a good time and they like each other, absolutely. All right. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I feel like you are so thoughtful and generous. Thank you for being my guest on Wheels Off. Rhett, thank you for I, having me. I love you, Paul. I love you too, Rhett. Okay. Bye. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from The Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.